When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Terrio Media. I hope people are talking more and more about cash flow. That that would be a good thing because that would help avoid some big time mistakes that people made in 2008 when they were buying for appreciation. Hello, I'm Matt Terrio of the Epic Real Estate Investing Show, and welcome to another episode of Thought Leader Thursday. Today, I'm joined by a real estate entrepreneur who controls more than $301 million worth of real estate. He's written two books, Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever, Volumes 1 and 2, which include advice from some of the smartest people in real estate. He also hosts a daily podcast, The Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. It includes interviews with a successful with successful real estate professionals who provide valuable insight and advice. So please help me welcome back to the show, Mr. Joe Fairless. Joe, welcome back. Hey, thanks a lot, my friend. Grateful to be back. Yeah, glad to have you. Um, so we, we've talked a lot. We talked about your past. We don't need to talk about that again. Um, but uh, this number here, $301 million worth of real estate. I don't know how long ago you wrote that on your blog post. What does that look like today? <laughs> it's funny why we, we got the one in there. Don't forget that one. One million is a lot of money. That's a key uh, number. That's a key <laughs> number. Uh, let's see. Well, we sold two properties last month and mm-hmm. we're buying, uh, we're closing on, well, we closed on one this past Friday and we're closing on one in a week and a half. And I was actually right before we jumped on this call, I was putting the finishing touches on an investment package for investors to announce a deal that we're sending out. Um, so I don't exactly know, I haven't done the calculation with all the closings and stuff where we're at, but it's a, mm-hmm. it's still around 300 million. You did that overnight, right? Overnight, I uh, woke up and then bam, it was done. Just like those late night infomercials tell you. Got it. So, and the reason I kind of said that is because you have a, a, a unique approach. I don't know if it's unique, but it, it's probably different than what most people on my show are, are used to, to hearing about. And that's like, you kind of focus on, if I remember correctly, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, like one kind of big deal a year. Is that still kind of what you're doing? Uh, we focus on big deals. Yeah, we focus on 150 plus unit apartment building. Those are the type of properties we buy. On average, uh, we buy between six to eight of those a year. Okay. However, right. we don't look. Yeah, we we don't look for a quota. We uh, simply buy whatever makes sense, um, mm-hmm. and you know the equity will be there for whatever property we want, assuming that um, you know the 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 underwriting looks good. Uh, mm-hmm. Wasn't always that way. You know, before we were limited by equity, uh, but at this point with the track record and, you know, with my network, uh, we're able to buy what we want. I mean, barring, you know, if, if we had a, a hundred million dollar equity raise on the deal, I wouldn't be able to pull that off. Um, but up to 25 million on a deal equity, I can pull that off. Um, so, you know, w- within that range, we can make it happen. Sweet. Yeah, I've got, I don't know, nowhere in your league when it comes to multifamily, but we've got about 
I don't know, 50 units or so, yeah, 54, if I was going to get specific. Um, and, I, and, and, you know, we teach primarily single family real estate investing here on, on our show. And, uh, but I found those properties by just marketing for single families. And just those opportunities came across my desk through our, through our direct mail and our, and our internet efforts. Um, if someone wanted to be really intentional about finding those types of deals, cause it's, it's beginning to be kind of the, the flavor of the day. I hear a lot of people, sure. even on the wholesaling shows, they're going towards the multifamily. What is the, How do you go about that? How is that different from marketing or finding those deals? than would you, what you know about single families? There's, two different paths and it's similar to single families and small multis. It's on market and off market deals. So on market deals, it's, it's um, well brokers and some, the, the challenging part of doing what I do is having the credibility uh, to do it and brokers and property managers to believe that you'll, you will close on the deals. So starting out, that's a big problem. It's a challenge because they want you to have the background and the track record, but you can't have the background and track record until you actually do the deal. So some specific tips for um, everyone listening who wants to uh, get into something larger, but they don't have the track record yet. The most important thing that the brokers want is to close a deal in a um, in the shortest amount of time as possible with a qualified buyer. And so, if you're offering to pay them a consulting fee of a couple hundred bucks an hour, then you immediately sh- separate yourself from the pack, even if you don't have any experience uh, relative to what you're looking to purchase that size. Um, mm-hmm. The second thing you could do is when you ask for their um, advice on who the, the, you should reach out to for team members, actually reach out to those people, which most people do, but then follow up with the broker afterwards telling him or her the result of your conversation. A okay. third thing, and just, it's, it's just simple follow-up stuff. The, the third thing is when you, prior to reaching out to a broker, if you uh, look at the sales that they've recently done over the last month or two, and then you go drive those properties. And then prior to reaching out to him or her, you give them feedback or you talk, you have talking points for them at the initial conversation. Hey, I saw you closed on these properties. First off, congrats. Secondly, just so you know context for what I'm looking for, here's the ones I would have been interested in and here's the ones I wouldn't. And that way they know you've done your homework and your research search. So those are three things that could separate yourself from the pack, even if you don't have credibility, because brokers are going to be the path of least resistance to find deals. Um, But the challenge is they've got a lot of people vying for their time. Right, right. You know, if I reverse engineer one of, I sold a 44 unit building middle of last year, something I bought five years previous. And I found myself for the very first time being in the shoes of a distressed seller. And I was like, I'm motivated. I want to get rid of this. So I did something very simple. I, what I knew to do was just put it on loop net. And boy, if you want your phone to ring, that's a great place to make it ring. And, but every call that came in, I really had the impression that someone just walked out of a seminar or just read a book or something like that. And the person who I ended up going with was, I think, kind of fits the category that you just said. I was looking for certainty of close. Yeah. So I wanted someone that sounded very confident and they, they were able to uh, exhibit some sort of credibility. And the second thing was I was looking for someone that 
knew the property or had local knowledge, right? And so right on the point, right? I should have just reverse engineered that myself because that's what I was looking for and that's what made me comfortable and that's ultimately who I, I sold the property to. So fantastic. Yep. Um, cool. So we were talking about, uh, I think I mentioned a little bit, maybe it was before recording or right now, but we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, multifamily kind of seems to be the flavor of the day, like on the fix and flip shows or the, the wholesaling workshops, people are starting to talk more and more about cash flow. They're talking about more and more about, about multifamily. Um, how do you see that going as far as the trend of, of multifamily moving forward? Well, I, I hope people are talking more and more about cash flow. That, that would be a good thing because that would help avoid some big time mistakes that people made in 2008 when they were buying for appreciation. Uh, right. So what, what I see it going is, oh, I mean, number one, we're a nation of renters and we are more and more people are renting and I don't think that's going away anytime soon. Um, mm -hmm. Where I see multifamily going, I mean, interest rates are going to continue to rise that's going to probably keep people in their apartments longer. But on the flip side, it's a negative for apartment investors because when you go to sell, the buyers don't have as much buying power. So, you know, it's, it's a blessing and a curse uh, for interest rates, but whatever. I mean, that's just part of the business, right? We just got to roll with whatever the, the, the economy presents us with. I mean, ultimately, there are three immutable laws of real estate investing that if we adhere to those laws, uh, then we're going to be fine when the, the correction takes place. One is we buy for cash flow, not appreciation. People in 2008 who bought for appreciation, they got burned. Um, two is uh, we have long-term debt on our properties. So Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac debt on our properties. Um, if you're in multifamily, you know, seven, 10, 12, 15 year debt. If it is five years, because I do put some bridge loans on our properties, but they're five-year bridge loans and we expect to exit out of them after two years. And so if we do not exit out of them after two years, then we have three additional years to decide what the heck to do with the property. And mm -hmm. you know, if the market's in two years not so hot, then we make an educated guess on, is that a chronic issue? Or do we see some light at the end of the tunnel within about two years. That way we still have a year buffer. Um, so the second thing is put long-term debt on properties because in 2008, people got hurt. It's one of the reasons is because they had a property that where the note became due at a very inopportune time and they had to do something with it, but no one was getting financing. Or if right. they were getting financing, it was interest rates that were really high relative to what they used to be. And then the third is have cash reserves, have adequate cash reserves for a oh shoot scenario. Uh, four boilers go out. That's a problem. Do you have adequate cash, cash reserves? So if we adhere to these three immutable laws of real estate investing, one, buy for, ca buy for cash flow, two, long-term debt, three, have cash reserves, then I think we're going to be pretty good uh, over the long haul. It will get rocky. We won't cash flow as much when the economy takes a turn, which I think it will. I don't know when, but mm -hmm. the fundamentals of real estate will stay strong. Right. Good. Um, couldn't, couldn't agree more. Uh, I think particularly the, the third one, when you said the, the cash reserves, I think that's underrated. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> I think it's a, uh, it's important. Um, so now Joe with, you know, you've got several years now since you've left your, your previous profession. Now you've got these several years in real estate, you've got multiple deals under your belt. You're managing hundreds of millions of dollars of real estate. 
looking back, what's one thing you wish you knew right when you got started? When I interviewed Robert Kiyosaki on my podcast, he, he said, the richest people build networks, everyone else looks for work. And if I had learned that at the very beginning, then I would be even in a better spot than I'm in now. Uh, the key is building a network. The key is, you know, building a relationship with you, right? You're a very influential real estate investor. You've got a network and it's important to continue to build a strong relationship with you. It's important to build a strong relationship with other people who uh, can either be business partners or just are good people you want to stay in touch with and it could be relevant along down the road. Uh, right. I wasn't as intentional about building a network whenever I first got started. It's important to have a big email list. It's important so that I'm about to click send. Once the, the seller signs a per, the purchase and sale agreement, um, which likely will be any time now, I'm about to click send and I'm going to send it to a lot of accredited investors of mine and I will likely fund $13 million in five days or less. I, I, the last two deals in total, it was a $23 million equity raise. We funded in seven days. So that is the power of a network. There's a lot of sub how that's accomplished, right? Track record, performance, uh, being true to, you know, good character, all that stuff. But one of the components is having a network. Um, and so being intentional about building a network. Yeah. It, it's something I've, I've commonly say here on the show that, you know, you can go fast through a marketing budget and generating leads and generating that, the, that attention, or you can go far by earning that attention through relationships. Yeah. And, uh, I recommend everybody do it both, but you'll get to a point where you no longer need an actual marketing budget. If you're intentional about creating those relationships. You mentioned my you mentioned my previous career. I was in advertising, and one takeaway I got from that experience is that the number one influencer of purchase intent is word of mouth referrals. Uh, word of mouth being the number one indicator of what people are going to purchase. And if you're going to run a Facebook ad, would you say it's it should be more um, brand centric or and less you know direct response centric, right? Yeah, perhaps. I, I, I won't claim to be the best um, at deciding what to do on the Facebook ads because I don't know, but my, I do know that content is way more important than calls to action. When you focus on good content, then you're going to generate, a, you're going to create a community. And right. you know, the, the, the word of mouth referrals, me telling you about someone who I had a good experience with and I recommend, holy cow, that, that's so much more valuable than you coming across 12 different Facebook ads promoting the same thing over one month. Congrats on your success. Um, it's the only daily real estate show and, and you've done very well. And so good job. With that, the name of your show, Thank The you. Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever. Um, so you've heard a lot of advice. You've had people on your show that have shared tons of advice. And I know you've got your ear to the street. You've got your own uh, convention. And what's one piece of bad advice that you hear out there frequently that just really gets under your skin? Um, bad advice that gets under my skin. I'd say when, well, I, I think the secret's a bunch of BS. 
you know, you think something, you think something, you think something, and it's going to happen. That, that's, not nece- that's not the case at all. And it's about actually executing the vision. That's a, bu- that's a big problem. Um, I do have a vision board, and it's huge. It's a gigantic poster on my wall, but I do it as a reminder for the action that I take. And, you know, one of that is a daily podcast over 1,400 days in a row now. So, you know, that's the type of massive action it takes. But people who say, hey, you got a vision, then um, things will transpire for you. Not so much. You got to have effective execution. Right. Amen to that. So what's in the future right now, Joe, that you're really excited about? Might be exactly what you're working on just before we started recording, but uh, anything bigger than that? The biggest is my wife's pregnant for with our first kid, a girl, and she's due in about eight or I don't know it's like six, not eight months, uh, like six months or so. Uh, so that's that's pretty big. That's pretty big. It doesn't get much bigger than that. So <laughs> congrats to that. So today we're talking to Joe Fairless, the host of the best real estate investing investing advice ever podcast. You can find him there. If people wanted to get in touch with you in another, through another channel, what would be the best way for them to do, to do that, Joe? Uh, you can email info at joefairless.com. If you want a free apartment resources guide, we'll get that to you. So info at joefairless.com. Uh, info at joefairless.com. Super. Well, dude, it's been a pleasure. Let's not wait so long to do it again. And, Great catching uh, up with you. Yeah. All right. Likewise. Talk, likewise. Talk to you soon. Take care. Alrighty, so thanks for tuning in to Epic Real Estate Investing, and I will see you next Thursday on another episode of Thought Leader Thursday. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.